0: Not all of us who went who went to the battle in 1991 or three or four years prior to 1991 came out came out alive. It's so unfortunate, but like I always say, those blood the blood that was shed, you know, the blood of our martyrs that were shed uh, shall continue to you know to water to water a tree of freedom, and uh, may their souls, may their souls continue to rest in power.
1: My name is Ayodele Adieu and you're listening to The Hourglass Pod, a weekly podcast produced by the Avalon Daily that goes back in time to explain complex socio-economic and sociopolitical issues that puzzles us today. Every week, I'll bring you current and passionately debated issues that escape the generous lessons of history and is now unravelling before our very eyes in very complex and sometimes dangerous ways. Subscribe to this podcast on iTunes to listen every week. Be kind to leave a comment and tell a friend or sibling about the hourglass Pod. The Nigerian media space over the last few weeks has been dominated by stories of courage and bravery demonstrated by a group of young Nigerians who are demanding an end to police brutality. These young Nigerians surpassed every expectation by holding their ground and kept protesting for close to two weeks despite the odds. Thankfully, they have made some gains albeit momentarily. They got the federal government to disband the SARS unit and set up a judicial panel of inquiry across several states. But as we would all learn from history, the gains were short-lived as bank accounts of protesters were blocked on the orders of the government and some of the perceived leaders of the protests were arrested. It didn't take long for the government to revert to its old hawkish tactics of intimidation and brute force where all that was required was diplomacy and a sense of urgency. The president had earlier on implied in the speech to the nation that they may have been wrong to take conciliatory steps as that made them look weak.
2: Sadly, the promptness with which we have acted seemed to have been misconstrued as a sign of weakness and twisted by some for their selfish, unpatriotic interests. The result of this is clear to all
0: observers.
1: The gloves are now off and it's back to 1971 when Kunle Adikweju, a student of the Faculty of Agriculture in University of Ibadan, was shot in the head by a trigger-happy policeman during a protest. In January 1971, the students of Namdi Azikwe Hall, University of Ibadan, complained against the managers of the cafeteria, whom they are accused of corruption, inefficiency, poor productivity and poor public relations. The students had signed the petition for her removal and sent to the then Vice-Chancellor, Professor Adeoye Lambo. The students will then embark on a 48 hours hunger strike, and followed up with a massive protest. As the protest escalated, Professor Lambo invited the police to quell the protest. And typical of the Nigerian police, they opened fire on a crowd of about 3,000 protesters. And on the 1st of February, 1971, Kunliadekweju was shot in the head, killing him instantly. This further inflamed the crisis, where demonstrators burned down two police stations and hunted down policemen in the city. Police officers had to tear off their uniforms to escape rioters. General Yakubu Gawon, the then head of the federal military government, set up a commission of inquiry headed by Justice Kasim. The commission will conclude that live ammunition should never again be used in the quelling of students' riots or students' protests. The government, however, rejected the recommendation of the panel and held that the use of firearms was fully justified in the circumstances even though it led to the death of Kunliadik Beju. The events that played out in the sunny afternoon in 1971 has continued to inform the response of government officials and security agencies to protests till date. Rather than protests be seen as a demand for accountability, the government, views protests as a threat to their regime, or a sinister plot by foreign countries to intrude in our local affairs. A society where citizens do not have a
2: right to protect against injustice, against violation of human rights, is a dead society. There's no alternative to it. People must protect. It is what makes us human beings Even, you are talking about the 60s, forget about the 60s or 70s, in the traditional society, in the old society, when things are happening and the townspeople are not happy, it could be pestilence, it could be outbreak of disease, it could be famine. When things are not going, the towns or the village people will troop out and march to the palace of the king and say, dear king, you know, we are suffering. It is the best way to express your feelings when you go public with it, I say, No, I can no longer bear this. If we surrender that right under any guise, then I think society is dead. It doesn't mean that we must not be mindful of the situation around us and so on. But it's a right that is so basic. And it is the duty of the police, by the virtue of the constitution, by virtue of the decisions of the Supreme Court, to prote- to provide protection for peaceful protesters. It is their duty. In other countries, they even designated public places where anytime you have grievances, anybody you want to abuse, you, there's a place you can go and do all that. You have the Trafalgar score in, in, in London, in the United Kingdom, for example. In the United of America, citizens go to the White House to go and abuse the president. What is this pain in this country that we mystify our rulers? If there were no protests, the civil war would not have ended. People protested all over the world, demonstrated and said, let's kill and they stopped. Process led to defeat of military and regime and brought in the civilian regime. So anybody that says he wants to, you know, cast cancel protests is moving against history. And they must not forget that when you make peaceful change impossible, you make violent change inevitable.
1: That was Larry Arubudadi, a Nigerian journalist and the leader of the National Association of Nigerian Students. Between 1984
2: and 1985. Yes, there's an intimidation going on here. We are being intimidated that we cannot speak our voices, and then we are being told that if we step one foot, we'll be shot. They're going to, to shoot us.
1: That playbook has been handed down ever since, and it's been quite simple. Security agencies should treat protest as an insurrection. And should meet protesters with maximum force. Hence, the issues raised by protesters, however valid, becomes the victim of an egoistic federal government. It was therefore no surprise that the leaders of the National Students Union were faced with bullets from policemen when they decided to resist the hike in school fees and a 50 kobo increase on their daily cost of meal.
0: In 1978, uh, no, no Nigerian Other military or democratic has ever been receptive to uh, receptive to the agitations of, of you know of Nigerian of Nigerian students. Uh, I, I remember in 1991 May when the National Institute of Nigerian Students posed the 13-point agenda to the then military, military head of state General Ibrahim Babangida is uh, the minister of information, uh, addressed the nation um, on a certain day of May 1991 and told Nigerian parents to win the awards in Nigerian University that if they do not want them, uh, the government will not hesitate to make them to dance the Suligede dance, the dance of the spirit. I still remember that phrase <laughs> used by the minister of information, who is now late uh Alex you know Alex Akiele. Some of us found ourselves found ourselves in prison. I was detained under the State Security Detention of Persons Decree, a nasty piece of military military legislation. If you are detained under decree too, no court has jurisdiction to look into the circumstances of your arrest and your and your detention. They are kept in prison at the mercy, you know, at the mercy of the head of state. And that's what they did when they kept me in prison for four months. At the maximum security prison uh, in uh, in curriculum in Lagos, while my other colleagues were detained were detained at the Kui prisons, you know. And it's always been like that. In 1991, uh, uh, if it still hurts me. Uh, we lost we lost two students of uh, Yaba College of Technology, May first, May first, 1991. To date, Nigerian state has not owned the responsibility for the killings.
1: The voice you just heard is that of Abdul Mahmud, a human rights lawyer and the then leader of the National Students' Union in 1991, who led several protests during the Ibrahim Babangida's regime against the structural adjustment program and the increase or the removal of foil subsidy. In 1978, the General Olushegmo Obasanjo's regime was sinking under a heavy debt burden And to its aid came the International Monetary Fund, who gave us several under conditions to guarantee the federal government a bailout loan, the reduction in subsidies, and other welfarist program of the federal government. As a consequence, the Obasanjo administration had to cut down subsidies on education and welfare, which provoked a response from the students and the leftists. Sheg Keowu, the then president of the union, after due consideration with fellow comrades across several universities, decided to lead a protest in the University of Lagos campus. Of course, on Tuesday, April 18, 1978, the police opened fire at the protesters and a student was fired in the leg and bled to death because the Lagos University Teaching Hospital and the Orthopedic Hospital, Igbobi, refused to treat him. The death of this student infuriated the students, and the protest intensified and spread to other campuses. Such that in Amadou Bello University, five students were reportedly gunned down by soldiers, leading to the famous demand that has characterized these protests over the years Ali must go. To Amadou Ali was the then Federal Commissioner of Education, a soldier medical doctor who as a student incidentally, was one of the first generation of leaders of students' activism. Ali would later become the chairman of the People's Democratic Party Working Committee between 2005 and 2007. The students wanted him gone because they believed that as the Commissioner for Education, he was responsible for the hiking fees and the hike in school meals
0: not all of us who went who went to the battle in 1991 or three or four years prior to 1991 came out came out alive it's unfortunate but like i always say those blood the blood that was shed you know the blood of our martyrs that were shed uh shall continue to you know to water to water a tree of freedom and uh, the their souls continue to rest in power my hope is that Going forward to twenty twenty three, we'll have a more responsible, more humane government that will look at the needs and the demands of Nigerian youth, male Nigerian students, that will look at the crimes that we committed against Nigerian students in the past, you know, and give them you know and give them justice.
1: As long as we continue to run a constitutional democracy, peaceful protests should never be criminalized. One can understand why governments, especially those in Africa, can be wary of protests. Because in 1968, violent protests by students in France almost ousted the government of President Charles de Gaulle. And in fact, he eventually had to step down from office the following year. In July 1988, the Prime Minister of Burma had to step down after 26 years in power as a result of a two-month protest led by students. In South Korea in 1987, student protests forced the federal government to conduct elections which result in a significant political change. That said, the federal government in Nigeria must take each case on its merit and resist the urge to deploy maximum force where all that is required is a simple policy adjustment or simply empathizing with the reality of the protesters. We cannot continue to shoot at peaceful protesters. We must rethink our crisis management strategy because extreme response from state authorities only breed more extreme measures from aggrieved citizens. And like Richard, Ajibola Ogunderu, the teenage leader of the four daring gang that hijacked the Nigerian Airbus A310 plane, on Monday, October 25, 1993, in a protest against the June 12th annulment, once said to The Nation newspaper, Our action confirmed that when a system is inhuman, it could produce the extreme in all of us. My name is Ayodele Adieu and you're listening to The Hourglass Pod, a weekly podcast produced by the Avalon Daily that goes back in time to explain complex socio-economic and socio-political issues that puzzles us today. Every week, I'll bring you current and passionately debated issues that escape the generous lessons of history and is now unraveling before our very eyes in very complex and sometimes dangerous ways. Subscribe to this podcast on iTunes to listen every week. Be kind to leave a comment and tell a friend or sibling about the hourglass Pod.